We are the 12 sided guys. We have Matt as Pine. Hi. Scott as Joff. That's still me. Jordan as Ebby. Salutations. <laughs> <laughs> Sabrina as Nari. Hey there. And me, Paul, as all of the NPCs you've forgotten about. NPCs like the random girl in the Cross Candles Inn that I actually named. Does anyone remember what it was? Lucia. No. Angus. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was Tula. Or what about the acolyte that was controlling the bishop in the finale of season two? His name was... Oh, man. Bartleby. No. Bob. No. Barnabas. No. Bartholomew. (laughs) Acolyte Grimm. Or, finally, going way back, does anyone remember the name of Roos's mom? (laughs) (laughs) Pretty sure that was just mom. Rusina. I'm sorry, that was a trick question. Her name was Bree. Well, if you like our... That was good. That was good. Uh, Well, if you like our podcast, tell a friend about it. Also, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash 12sidedguys, and you might just get a bonus little gift from us. Anyway, if you thought Malo was the weirdest looking frog you'd ever seen, then this podcast is for you. It's the Crystal Codex, episode 47. Okay, at first I thought, like, I was thinking of a different game. And then I remembered that you do meet him when you're with the frogs. He thinks he's a frog. Yeah. Yeah. But then he can control weather whenever he, like, gets upset or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that game, by the way. I I don't like the mechanic of playing a turn-based RPG where I have to be paying attention enough to hit the button at the right time. Oh, I loved it. That was one of my favorite features. (sighs) And in fact, I loved that they did that in legend of dragoon as well like i don't know i just love that interactive aspect oh really no because then you want to do the volcano attack and like you're spinning with your spear but it's like square triangle square square x oh no randomly hit circle instead anybody know what i'm talking i think you know scott i know what you're talking about yeah i got good at those like i would get them every single time yeah but that was like an extra little bit of tension i didn't need in my in my turn-based game. Sorry, I'm a I'm a casual gamer. I'm a casual. <laughs> so last we left Nari and the boys and Colbury and Adressa, the second floor, the second um, area in the fortress, deep, deep, deep beneath the Stormfist village of Summerhome, um, had been cleared. Pine had been knocked down quite a few times by a walking anvil. Um, Some people came pretty close to, uh, I guess, death. Well, the floor was just slippery. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And let's see, uh, people spent a lot of their spell slots, but everything was cleared out of these random um, kind of smithing and anvil ormex. um, And we met Adressa, who is a Stormfist warrior from apparently 
uh, Tazar's group that came down here almost a week ago. Um, she came down to help the, the faded hero who actually turns out is not the hero. You managed to find a couple of interesting knickknacks around and that was kind of where we left it off. Oh, also there was a book that um, Colbury tried to read and it gave him a headache really bad. So Ebby tried to read it later and he ended up taking like 15 points of psychic damage. I think last time we ended, you guys had just finished your short rest and you were about to head down some stairs to the next level of this facility, this fortress, according to the Stormfist clan. That is where we are. We are at the top of the staircase heading down. Does anybody want to do anything before we move down to the next level? No, nah, let's let's roll tide. Let's go get this kid. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about that book, but no, Pine's not gonna Pine's not gonna try to read it. <laughs> Pine's not going to try to... Oh, the other thing that you guys... So there was a there was like a red gem. There was a brass like horn like that's off of like a gramophone, like one of those old-timey crank record players, but it's just the horn. There was also two books. One book gave Colby a headache. The other book, nobody tried to read yet. Oh, and also, last thing, there was a, um, a crystalline matrix, that little contraption that sits in the chest of a deacon that holds the consciousness of a being um, from, you know, Ebby's time. Would we have would we, would we have been able to spend some time during our short rest to figure out what these items do? Actually, I don't see any reason why not. Um, is there anything in particular that Pine would want to check out then? Well, I I'm, I really like the gramophone horn, but I think Ebby rested with it on his head. So Ebby probably has a better shot at figuring out what that thing does. So... I got a question for you then. If a magical item does not require attunement, does spending time with it let you know what it actually is? Usually, yeah, you can figure out what it does in a during a short rest. Okay. Um, Ebby, you get the distinct impression that this kind of gramophone horn, I said that it's not like attached to a record player, but it still has the crank. You get the impression that if you were to crank this really, really fast, it would make a very loud noise. Wait, 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 wait. It's not a hat? <laughs> it's not a, I love, if you not a, if you're wearing it and you start cranking it it's going to project all that noise right down into your head you uh, you get the impression that if you were to crank this really really fast you could actually do some damage with it the only problem is is as you were kind of playing with it kind of toying around with it as you cranked it you felt it start to like wobble and thrum in your hand you get the distinct impression it's also maybe a little bit unstable mm, okay Behind the curtain, you have in your hands a horn of blasting. Oh, okay. Cool. Okay. So that is what Ebby spent his time with. What else is there again? There's there was a couple books. There was there was two books, there was a gem, and then there was um the um the crystalline matrix, which you already kind of know what that does. But Ebby was saying that there's a little something different about it because it's not attached to anything. So I'll spend time with with unknown book, if that's cool. Okay. As you start to look at this book, this is called the Scholar's Textbook. As you start to read it, um, it has, surprisingly, it's not written in allele. Uh, At least you don't initially think it's written in allele. You start to open the pages and you actually understand what is written in this book. It's full of different like diagrams and like Sudoku puzzles and things like that. 
And you get the distinct impression that if you were to go through and solve all the word searches and crossword puzzles in this book, <laughs> that you would, you would actually become smarter. And in game terms, you have a tome of clear thought. But it requires doing Sudoku. <laughs> well, I like Sudoku. I'm an old man. I love these kinds of puzzles. <laughs> so yeah, in game terms, if you were to, if you were to spend um, 48 hours over six days, which is basically like eight hours a day, if my math is correct, <laughs> just reading the book, um, at the end of that time, your intelligence score will go up by two. Ooh. Wow. That's lit. That's awesome. All right. Um, Nari and Joff, is there anything you guys wanted to spend time with? Joff will look at the thing that's like the crystalline matrix, but might not be. Okay. As you hold this in your hand and you start like kind of like touching wires, connecting wires, that kind of thing, you can feel a thrum of power in here. As you're looking at it, you know, you're like, well, you know, Ebby was kind of telling you about this thing, that this is kind of where his kind of being lies where like the consciousness is in the deacons right and so like if there was a quote-unquote soul it is in this box and as you're playing with it you realize there is a soul there is a consciousness in this box it's not attached to anything but you get the impression that you can actually command this soul this spirit this consciousness to do things for you including things like shine up a room you can also use it, um, you can send the soul, kind of have it project itself out and perform things like little very minuscule um, tasks like a mage hand spell. You get the impression that if you were to fall unconscious with this, that um, the uh, this spirit, this soul, this consciousness would stabilize you. Interesting. In game terms, this is an item from a different adventure. Um, it's called a ghost lantern. Okay. So it's like an unseen servant with that will like stabilize me? Well, it's like a mage hand or a light spell, but it'll also stabilize you if you go unconscious. Okay. And then Nari, did you want to spend any time with anything? There's still the red gem, and then there's also the other book that gave everyone a headache. If you don't want to read it, but just kind of investigate it, I can kind of tell you what it is. Yeah, for sure not reading that. Um, honestly, Nari's pretty stressed out about her brother at this point. Um, I think she might like kind of play around with that red gem and uh, maybe even pocket it if it's, if it's a ruby. But I don't think she's really going to focus on anything. It's kind of just more something to do with her hands to distract her. Okay. All right. Well, then in that case, you have it in your possession, but you don't know what it does. All right. Is that kind of the impression that you're trying to give? Yeah. Like, I, I mean, like, yeah, I just kind of played around with it, but I don't think there was really any focus on that at all. All right. That's the impression that I get. <laughs> <laughs> Not the best Mighty Mighty Boss Tone song, in my opinion, but the most popular for sure. And the best impression. And <laughs> a very, very good impression. All right, you guys are all standing here at the top of this staircase, ready to go down to the next le level. Adressa has told you that she has not been down below the current level, so she does not know what to expect. But the rest of the group, Tazar, and then two of their other companions, more than likely would have gone this way. Um, they, uh, since they didn't turn back, they were they're probably down here, um, down these stairs. 
I was going to ask you guys marching order, but that's okay. We don't need to worry about a marching order. You guys start going down the stairs, and you end up at the bottom of this staircase. In this room, it's about 20 feet by 20 feet, and to the north, there is a hallway. And as you are standing here at the bottom of the staircase, you can see that it opens up into this very large room. Um, from where you're standing, it looks like there's some kind of a light source from the eastern side of this large room, um, but you can't see into the room very clearly. Um or very far yet. Uh, as you are standing here, um, let's see, I want um, perception checks. Dirty 20. Joff got a 10. Pine got a 21. And Ebby rolled an 11. As you are standing here, um, Nari and Pine, you both uh, glance into this large room and in the middle of the room, this room is, I mean, it's got to be like 70... 80 feet across um, in the direction that you can see. You can't see how far to the east and west it goes, but you can tell that it, across the, uh, the room it goes about 70 or 80 feet. Um, you see lying in the middle of the floor are two bodies. These are not metallic bodies. These look to be about the same size of what you would expect a storm fist um, a body size to be. Nori, you and I should be carefully approached. If something hurt these people, then it might still be looking around. And this time we should be smarter about how we go through the hallway. Yeah, let's maybe try to kind of sneak out here and see if we can get to one of the bodies and investigate without disturbing <laughs> whatever caused it. Okay, well then here's what we're going to do. We're just going to go ahead. We're just going to roll initiative, okay? Just remember, initiative does not mean that combat has started. It just means we're going to start taking turns um, and uh, that's how we're going to progress at this point. Pine rolled an 11. Nari rolled a 19. Joff got an 18. Ebby got a 6 for initiative. All right, let me do a couple of quick rolls. And, oh, well, then let's go ahead. Let's just start going in initiative order. We'll start at the top with Nari. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to try to kind of sneak into the room here and try to go up to that closest body. Okay, well, you can move half speed if you're going to be sneaking, and I want you to make a stealth check. All right, so roll a 17 for stealth. That's nice. You get up. Yeah, that's a very good roll. Um, thank goodness for Mithril Chainmail. You get up to kind of where this uh, this room that you're in with the staircase is, where it kind of the, the little hallway that goes north. Um, you get to right to the edge where you can kind of see into this room. And Nari, what you see is that the light source coming from the east, it appears that on the eastern wall, there is a statue. And that statue has crystals looks like naturally occurring crystals popping out of this statue and those crystals are glowing and they're glowing quite brightly. But you did not, you weren't not able to move um, close far, far enough along to get to either of these uh, bodies in the middle of the room. Did you just say you weren't not? <laughs> I probably <laughs> did. You weren't yeah. not there done do that. <laughs> hey, forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> you can use your you can use your uh, your action if you want to uh to to do a dash action and continue to sneak can i continue to sneak if i do that yeah yeah dash action just means that you're going to use your action to you as movement but you can still do it as sneaky movement that's fine oh okay yeah no i definitely want to do that then yeah keep keep moseying as close as possible yeah you can move up 15 more feet i think that gets you pretty close yeah 
you get right up to this body. And as you are looking at this body, you can see um, it is a female, um, looks like a warrior of some kind. I want you to make a perception check, but you can see that the axe um, that this female was was using is lying next to her hand. 26 for perception. Okay, you notice she is dead? <laughs> I mean, you notice that, like, that, not unconscious, dead. And you notice that her skin is pink. Like, pink, like, almost... Pepto? Not not that far pink. More like um, more like oh, whoops! I fell asleep um, in my lawn chair and I forgot to put on sunscreen. Oh no! Okay. Um, and does she appear to be like someone who I recognize? I'm assuming it's one of Tickers's groups. Yeah, you would you would recognize her. Um, not like one of the um, not necessarily like one of the great friends of your older brother, but but definitely part of that group. I don't re- remember her name. <laughs> we gotcha. can make up a name if you want. <laughs> no, no, that's fair. But she is she is passed on. Uh, we'll call her dead body number one. All right. So can I tell it all? Like, like does it look like she's burned? Uh, yeah, that that would you know it looks like yeah that's very possible. It's not. It, like it, it almost looks like she got a sunburn, um, but she's um, down here underground. Okay. All right, and that is Nari's turn. Jo- Joff, that brings us to you. Joff is going to follow suit, and he's going to try and move quietly into the room as well. Okay. Got a 23 on his stealth check, and so he's just going to move 15 feet to kind of get to the doorway, and Mm -hmm. he's probably 15 feet behind Nari. Uh, For his action, though, this time, as he's walking, he's going to mutter under his breath, all right, ancestors, uh, we need you on this one. And he's going to cast Ancestral Guidance. Me and Nari and Pine can all roll a a D4 and add that to our attack rolls or to our saving throws for the next minute. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Was that for all of us? No, I can only do three people. Got it. That's cool. And since you don't you don't do attacks as much, I no, yeah, I yeah, left no. you out. I'm sorry. I see how it is. It's fine. Whatever. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I mean, it's not like he gave it to Adressa and not you. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, I'll give it to myself and Colbury and Adressa. <laughs> and uh can I give it to the S doc? That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Gosh. So, um, so Joff, where you're at in the hallway, you still can only tell that there's light coming from um, the eastern wall. You guys can all, I didn't say this, but uh, straight across the way, there is another doorway, another double door leading into another room. And you guys can kind of see that distance. And then, um, Nari, you're in the middle of this room. Um, the eastern wall has this, this statue, this crystalline statue thing that's glowing really bright. You can't see the western wall, Nari. It's too dark um, back there, just so you know. So you can't see what's kind of behind you to the to the west. All right. Pine, what are you doing? So Pine's going to start reading this uh, Tome of Clear Thought. I'm kidding. I'm going <laughs> <laughs> to sit down and read for eight hours. <laughs> oh, that, that one. Yes. Okay. Um, uh, no, uh, Pine is going to go ahead and try to sneakily move in the room as well. Okay. That's a 15 stealth check. Okay. Okay. So I can move 15 feet up into the doorway. I see the dead bodies. And then I'm going to go go ahead and use my action to continue moving another 15 feet. 
So now I'm in the room. I can see the whole room because I have dark vision. Yeah. So what you see is on the eastern wall, there is this statue with crystals like busting out of it. And um, and that's all lit up. And on the western wall, there is another statue, but it is has no crystals. It's just like a, a statue of um, kind of a... Do you remember way back when in the ancient facility, there was that kind of bird uh, creature that you had like move crystals from one to the other? Yeah. It's, it looks like something from that same race, some kind of a bird, a bird man type thing statue there standing there. But it's, it's very dark in that other corner uh, or that other side of the room. Okay. Well, um, Pine will, will try to whisper back into the hall, kind of a stage whisper and say, Hebby. If you want to see what your people used to look like, I think I found a statue for you. And that'll be my turn. Magister Colbury is going to try to be very quiet as well. And he is going to move up 15 feet. He is just a little bit behind um, Joff. And um, he actually, um, with his staff, he is going to extinguish the light on the end of his staff. And that is his turn. Ebby, it is your turn. I will make my way. Are you sneaking? Um, oh, actually, yes. I, can I, can I, before I move? Yes. I want to actually use my action to robotically reconfigure into, what was the name of the panther-like lion type creatures that we fought? Oh yeah, it was a, it was a, a red panther. Yeah, the red panther. I'm going to robotically reconfigure into a red panther kind of metallic shape. And I will actually try to use some stealth as I move that direction. And you are now the panther. Okay, fantastic. All right, now I will move that panther token. And my movement as a panther is 20 or 50. Okay, so you can move 25 feet if you're going to be sneaky. Okay, we'll do that. And you want me to roll a stealth check? Yes, please. Okay. Uh, 14 for stealth. Okay. Very good. So I'm surprised you chose that picture for a robot panther, Paul, when there's a perfectly good transformer that transforms into a cassette tape that's also a panther. (laughs) Oh, Oh, golly. Yeah, actually, I don't know what happened to the token. That's actually just the picture that I chose. It didn't didn't tokenize it for some reason. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Ebby, that is your turn. You are now here in the middle of the room. You can also see both statues. Um, you see the glowing one on the eastern wall and the dark one on the western wall. You see across the way, there is another doorway uh, straight up to the north. And last but not least, we have Adressa. She is going to try to be sneaky as well in her chainmail. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so with this advantage... <laughs> clank, 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 clank. Please tell me she just falls flat on her face right in the room. (laughs) She rolled a one and a one. And she actually starts out pretty good. One, two, three, four, five. She's going to sneak up right kind of behind, you know, Ebby Panther form. And as she does, um, she just, uh, I don't know, she just brushes up against the wall and there's just this... Sound as her chainmail rubs against this wall. <laughs> Actually, she was she was perfectly silent. It's just before she started walking, she said, "Hey guys, are we trying to be quiet in here?" <laughs> Yelling at everybody who already left. 
<laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. Yeah, stormfists don't normally sneak. They sit still while they're waiting for um uh like to hunt and stuff like that, but they're they're warriors. Sometimes they hide under tables that are too big for them <laughs> or too small for them. They're <laughs> sneaky. They wear table backpacks. Yes, I believe that's, that's right. what happened. Sneaky. All right, you guys. Okay. And you know what? That is actually going to end this round. So, on to the top of the next round. The first thing that happens is Nari. As you are standing there in the middle of the room looking at this dead body, you glance to the north in that doorway and you see your younger brother peek around the corner. Your younger brother Tazar is in the room to the north. From where you're sitting, you don't necessarily get a very good view of him, but he looks a little worse for wear. And he waves and he kind of takes his thumb and runs it across your his throat. But not like, I'm going to kill you, but like, it's dangerous here. Like, like <laughs> be careful. Okay. Nari, it is your turn. Uh, so I'm going to continue to try to sneak across this hallway towards uh, my brother and that other room. Okay. Oh, no. Another stealth check. Uh, 16. Okay. And I mean, I, I want that to be my action as well. I'm just going to try to get all the way over here. Yeah, you get all the way over there to your brother. As you approach him, you can see that he is uh, he's got um, like chainmail on just like, you know, it's kind of like the storm fists make chainmail. And so he's wearing chainmail. He's got an axe in his hands. He looks beat up. His skin is also slightly pink, um, like he's been out in the sun a lot. And he looks um, haggard and worn out and hungry. And he makes eye contact with you and you see him like uh, kind of one of those uh, like, I can't believe you're here. Like if a look could convey that message, I'm so glad you're here. I can't believe you're here. We are in so much danger. All with a look. I'll just kind of like half half slap, half pat his back and uh, say, Cheer up. We're, we're, we're in it together, dude. We'll figure it out. Okay. Awesome. All right. Joff, you are up. All right. Joff is going to take another uh, move into the room and he's going to do his best to be stealthy about it. Okay. Got a 16 this time. So nice. Joff is going to move in 15 feet to there. He's as far into the room as Mr. Pine, but just on the opposite side of the opening. Okay. And I'm just going to stay there. I'm going to ready in action. If something hostile comes into the room, I'm going to throw my chakram at it. All right. Um, Joff, where you're at, you can also see with your dark vision now because of your um, your class, you can see the dark statue to the left in the dark part of the room. And you can see this lit up statue with all this crystal on it. And as you look over at the statue with the crystal... You see, oh no, the statue take a step. Hey, who did that? Come on, guys. 
<laughs> That's your homie Adressa, actually. <laughs> you see this crystal statue start to walk, and it's actually, it makes it to Joff as it stomps across the room. And that is it. Okay, this counts as hostile. I'm throwing my chakram. <laughs> Here is what I need. Let me just make sure I know what this is going on. Okay, this statue as it walks towards you, it is illuminating bright light in a 30 foot radius. And then more light comes off of it. Um, you know, it's, so it's like 30 feet of bright, 30 feet of dim. Joff, as this thing gets close to you, it is blinding. It is incredibly bright. Joff, it is going to make a swing at you. Actually, it's going to take two swings. Oh no. Here we go. A 19 and a, so a 29 and a 20. Oh, those both hit. All right, 12 and 21. Okay, the 21, I'm gonna have uh, Squire cut that one in half for me. Okay. So, um, what, 11 and 12, so 23 total. All right. He, ouch, hits you hard. So I swung at him with, or threw my chakram at him as he was approaching, and I got a 10 to hit, and then I uh, rolled a d4 for the ancestral blessing, and so it turned into a 14. That is a miss. Actually, it's not a miss. It just bounces off of the statue. Okay. Okay. Pine, you're up. You see this this large like um, statue has come to life. Something about the crystals popping out of its out of its surface have animated it somehow, and it is angry and it is clobbering your friend Joff. Okay. Well, on the one hand, I'm relieved that this room isn't just a giant microwave, but on the <laughs> other hand. <laughs> Uh, honestly, I was looking at the, there's two statues. I was looking at the positions of the bodies. I was looking at the two statues, kind of like their, where their eye line meets. It looks like somebody tried to run across the middle of the room and got zapped by a laser between them or something, the way the bodies <laughs> fell. Yeah, I was worried about like uranium or like, you know, like poisoning. Um, but no, something that I can hit with a sword is um, maybe preferable. So Pine is going to come up to Joff's aid and he's going to approach this thing. Go ahead and take two swings with my sword. With the Menarest Officer Saber level two. Okay, now here's the interesting thing. M normally, it's like if you start your turn or if you um, choose to enter it on your turn. This has a special quality, but it only affects you if you start your turn in a certain place. Okay. So... You move in, you can see this bright light. It is very, very bright. And you can feel some of the heat like coming off of it and stuff. Go ahead, make your attack. Uh, so I rolled a natural one. Okay. <laughs> Just continuing the tradition of uh, great rolls for attacks. Uh, and my next attack is a 13 and I'll roll a d4 to see if I can add more to that. Boop. So that's a 15, does a 15 hit it? No, it does not. Anything else you want to do? Crumbles, here boy, crumbles. <laughs> <laughs> that that takes that takes a, a full like ten minutes to do. <laughs> I know. Uh, Field Marshal, sir, I ask your aid. Oh, out comes the S doc. Uh, Sixteen to hit. That does not hit. Uh, we're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> That's my turn. All right, Magister Colbury. Here's the commotion. 
and he is going to move into the room and kind of step aside over to the corner, trying to stay out of uh, out of the range of this uh, this giant statue. And he's going to blast it with another firebolt. And that is going to be for a pff, rolled a three. He rolled eight to hit with a firebolt, and he misses. All right, Ebby, you are up. Oh man! Well, since I am still in Panther mode, I'm going to just take advantage of that, and I'm going to position myself so that way I have a good 20 foot head start. Um, so I'm guessing I'm going to kind of move towards the middle of the room a little bit. Okay. And then I'm going to use the 20 feet straight charge and try to pounce on this guy. Oh, perfect. So he, I mean, it's not, odds are this isn't going to work, but the pounce is he has to make a DC 12 strength save or he gets knocked prone. And if he gets knocked prone, then I can make two attacks instead of just one. Well, he rolled a 16. So he saved. Fair enough then. Well, okay, so that doesn't work, but I will go ahead and make a bite attack at least. Okay. While I am still in panther mode. Oh, a 20 to hit. That hits. All right. For seven damage. Okay. And then with my bonus action, I am actually just going to go ahead and leave panther mode and just go back into robot form. All right. Ebby, you are now basically standing over the top of this dead body. Squishy. Yes. All right, and last but not least, we have Adressa. Adressa, um, what she does is she is going to take her spear. She is going to throw it at this statue and make a ranged attack. And that is only a 14. That misses. And then um, she's going to pull out two hand axes and throw two hand axes as well. And that is a... 16, which is a miss, and an 18, which is a hit. So she's going to hit with one hand axe for... Oh, that's pretty good damage. Uh, that is going to be nine damage. And she is now out of weapons. <laughs> <laughs> and then for her movement, she is going to move kind of into the room. Um, and she's going to pick up the axe that the uh, the dead woman that um, Nari was investigating. She's going to pick up that axe off the ground, and now she has a great axe in her hands. Back up to the top of the round. It is Tazar's turn. Tazar is going to make a wisdom save, and he failed. Tazar looks at you, Nari, and bites his lip and then shakes his head no, and he ducks back around the corner. Oh my god, you little bitch boy. <laughs> he is oh overcome by fear. How old did we say he was? 16? Uh, yeah, 15, 16, somewhere like young, young teenager. As you're looking at him, you see he can't even grow like facial hair at all anymore. At, at, at all, sorry, he can't even grow facial hair yet, which amongst Stormfists, usually, you know, 14, 15, you know, you're, the the boys are starting to grow their beards and stuff, and um, he is still peach fuzz. Look, Harry, you can't throw your name into the Goblet of Fire and then be upset when you get picked to go <laughs> down to the dungeons, my dude. <laughs> oh gosh! Well, Nari, it is your turn. Are you going to say something like that to him? It's your turn. His his turn was to cower. I will butter bitch boy under my breath, but no, I'm gonna I'm gonna come out here and help um help my homies. 
And I'll, I'll kind of yell at him, like, come on, dude, get out here. And then I'll attack this dude for ugh, 12 to hit. Okay, that's a miss. And then a 20 to hit for 13 damage. Okay. And I'm actually, I'm just going to action surge right now because I might as well with, with this guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so another 12. And then a 23 to hit for another 8 damage. All right, that brings us now to Joff. Joff, you are now starting your turn within 10 feet of him. I need to know what you're going to do. Are you going to avert your eyes from the shine of this guy? Or are you going to try to look at it and make your attacks with normally instead of with disadvantage? You can avert your eyes and then attack with disadvantage. Or you can attack normally, but... It's very bright. Like I'll have to make a reflex save or a deck save or something. Like you'll have to make some kind of a save. Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to go for it. Okay. Make a wisdom, a DC 17 wisdom save. Oh no. Oh no. Oh, I got 17. Oh my gosh. <laughs> nice. Oh, you, your eyes are watering. You can feel your like brain, like trying to shut down and like you know optic nerves stop working because this is going to fry our brain you manage to get through it and make your attacks normally yes so i got a 21 to hit with my scimitar okay for 10 slashing and 7 precision for 17 damage nice and then i am going to i'm going to drink my last potion of healing okay and that will get me 6 hit points back not a lot but then i'm actually gonna disengage and i'm gonna back up a little ways away can you disengage if you drink a potion well is is it an item interaction or is it a bonus action to drink a potion well i think because you didn't have it in your hand it becomes a bonus action if you had it in your hand i would say it could be an item interaction does that make sense okay i i hate to be a jerk but no it's it's fine make an insight check uh, 22 insight move <laughs> so i'm just i was just gonna move okay and risk the attack of opportunity oh oh gotcha you were still gonna take the uh the uh the uh, potion yeah i'm still gonna take okay. the potion okay uh you're gonna he's gonna swing out at you okay that's a 29 to hit ouch okay and that... you are you're gonna take some damage oh my gosh yeah you take 18 damage that hurt a lot Oh man, I'm I'm really hurting. Okay. The the bigger they are, the harder they fall, guys. Well, I I must not be very big because it did not take a lot. <laughs> that is my turn. Okay, this guy's turn. You sound way too happy right now, Paul. I am not happy. I am <laughs> realizing that. So you remember last session when I started out and I was making predictions and I said a TPK in two in two sessions. Maybe it was only one session. <laughs> I need everybody who is within 10 feet of this guy, which is Nari and Ebby and Pine, to make difficulty 17 wisdom saving throws. You guys all get a plus three. Oh, not one for a seven. Ebby got a 27. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Nari got a five. So. Oh, no. Even with uh, the three, it's not going to help me much. 
No, no, it's not. Um, okay, Ebby, you um, you see this crystal statue start to like glow and pulse and and something about the rhythm of the lights flashing off these crystals uh, starts to kind of trick your mind, but you manage to kind of um, kind of shake your head and, and, and it doesn't affect you. Nari and Pine, you get a little bit dazzled and you are both slow. Rhythm is going to get you. <laughs> Which means that um, you cannot use your reactions. Your speed is halved. And if, you go, or if you're going to use the attack action, you can only make one attack. You cannot do an action and a bonus action. You have to pick one. This will last for a minute, but you can repeat the save at the end of your turn. <sighs> now, good news. That was its turn. Pine, it is your turn. I need to know, are you going to avert your eyes or are you going to um, try to make another wisdom save and fight with disadvantage? Or sorry, if, if you make the wisdom save, you can fight normally. Sorry. Um, I'm going to, I mean, that's what I'm here for, right? I'm here to, to do some attacks. So I'm going to try to take some attacks on it. One attack. So you're going to, you're not going to avert your eyes. Uh... I'll take disadvantage on the attack. I'll avert my eyes. Okay. That is a 20 because I'm going to use my uh, disciplined focus. Okay. You hit. Yeah. Okay. I rolled a 10 and then I get to add 10 when I use my disciplined focus. Okay. Okay. Oh, jeez. So what are you going to do to this guy? I'm going to do nine slashing damage and then I'm going to say, Unleash with precision, Swordmaster's Fury. And I'm going to do a level two Swordmaster's Fury, my last level two slot. Okay. Uh, and that's 3d8. Come on, big money. That's another 12 damage. Nice. Why don't you go ahead and make your wisdom save, difficulty 17, to see if you can unslow yourself. Okay. That's another nat one for a seven. You are slow. Okay. Um, let's see. What is Colbury going to do? Oh, did you want to move or you want to stay put? No, I'll stay put. Okay, okay. Dude, random number generation has sucked. Yep. But new characters are always fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, Colbury, he is going to do something a little bit. Six darts come shooting out of Colbury's hands and they strike four. A total of 15 plus six. So 21 damage from a level four magic missile. Nice. Ooh. He should try casting shatter on this thing. Um, and he's going to move further away. Colbury is not a combat wizard. Um, that's not his, what he does. He likes paper, as he's told you before. Okay. Um, that now brings us to Ebby. Ebby, you are not slowed. You are within this guy's aura. I need you to either avert your eyes or make the save, even if you're not attacking him. I I will avert my eyes. Okay. I don't necessarily need to be looking at him for some of the stuff that I hope to do. Okay. I think the first thing I'd like to do is a quick question. Was he made of crystal or glass or anything? He is a statue with crystals coming out of him. For all intents and purposes, yes, he is. If we, if we were to pick a, a substance he's made of, crystal would probably be the um, the best choice. Okay, I'm going to pull out this new horn of blasting. 
and I'm going to aim it at this guy while my eyes are turned. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. Okay. We're going to give this a shot. Okay, so let's go to the uh, rules for the Horn of Blasting. Are you aware of the potential danger? I think so. Um, so I'll read I'll read it. I've got it up in front of me right now. Okay, perfect. So you can use an action to use the Horn of Blasting. It creates emits a thunderous blast and a 30-foot cone that is audible 600 feet away. Each creature in the cone must make a DC 15 constitution saving throw. I'm hoping that I can angle that cone like while I'm averting my eyes, kind of aim it at this guy. So that's my hope. Yeah, for sure. On a failed save, a creature takes 5d6 thunder damage and is deafened for one minute. On a successful save, they'll take half as much damage and they're not deafened. Creatures and objects made of glass or crystal have disadvantage on the saving throw and take 10d6 thunder damage instead of 5d6. Oh, oh gosh. Each use of the horn's magic has a 20% chance of causing the horn to explode. The explosion <laughs> deals 10d6 fire damage to the blower and destroys the horn. Seems oh, good value. <laughs> Which means if you roll, how does that work? 20% means you roll a d10 and on a one or a two, it explodes. Right. Why don't you make that roll first? Oh, gosh. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. Okay, wait. I, we need to, like, prep ourselves for this. Okay, everyone take a big breath in. <laughs> and out. Everyone take a sip if you have something to sip. Okay, let's see that. Come on, RN Jesus. I don't have anything to sip, Paul. I don't have anything to sip. I'll, I'll take one for you. Come on, luck. All right, you ready, guys? Yes. Okay, here's my D10s, my D10 roll. Yes! Yes! So I rolled a seven, so no explosion. Okay, so now how much damage does this thing do? 10d6. 10d6. Now he'll take half if he can make the constitution save. Constitution save difficulty 15. Yes, but he has disadvantage because he's made of crystal. Way to go, man. Um, he rolled um, difficulty 15 con save and his constitution is um, oh he rolled a 14 oh <laughs> yes. yes so he took 37 <laughs> bla- uh, thunder damage from that nice. oh my gosh and now everybody knows we're here <laughs> <laughs> just like that this guy is looking messed up you see crystals that have been that have like been popping out. Some of the ones that were thrumming and throbbing that were like making everybody else slowed, like crack and explode. That was fun. Okay, anything else Ebby's gonna do? No, that's my turn. We're good. Okay, <laughs> I'm not really a fan of jazz. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. All right, that brings us now to Adressa. Adressa is going to, with a shout of anger and and uh, rage. She's going to run in here and she's going to stand next to Ebby and Nari and she's going to take three swings with a great axe. And she hit wow. three times. Wow. Those are some good rolls. Let's see how much damage she can do. Guys, she just dealt 28 damage. <laughs> Damn. <Wow. laughs> All right. MVP. Yeah, seriously. Can I borrow her rolls next time? Oh my gosh. And just like that, this guy is looking um, very messed up. Okay. That brings us now to the top of the round again and Tazar. Tazar is going to try to make a wisdom saving throw. Natural one. He is not going anywhere. In fact, he pees himself. Nari, you're up. 
Well, at least he's hydrated. <laughs> it's very yellow. Very yellow. Oh. Nari, you're up. Okay, so I... I guess I will make my one attack um, not looking at him. Okay, that's with disadvantage. Okay, well, that wasn't at 20, but it'll be 25. Okay, that's a hit. Okay, so that'll do 13 damage. And then that's it. I can't do any bonus actions or anything. Uh, no, that is it. If you want to move, then it is, um, it's going to take half of your, uh, you can only move half your speed. Yeah, that's crazy. You, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, you hit him very good, even though you are very slow. Okay, Joff, you are up before his turn again. All right, Joff is going to run in, hit him with his, his scimitar or swing his scimitar and then bonus action disengage and run away again. I got a 24 to hit for six slashing, 10 precision for 16 damage. And then I'm going to back away to uh, 15 feet away. As you go up and you slice him with your sword, ex- totally expecting to then turn around and run away like a like a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I have no qualms with that descriptor. As you strike out, you hit the statue and the light goes out. The statue stops moving. The crystals start to explode and pop and the statue crumbles into dust. And you have defeated the crystal statue. Cue victory music. Wow. Holy cow. Man, that ended up being way better than I thought it was going to be. That was all on Ebby, though. Man. Yeah, that was all (laughs) Ebby. Well, imagine how that would have turned had he rolled a one or a two. Oh, that would have been so brutal. Oh, yeah. It would have been awful. It would have probably killed me almost. (laughs) Oh, man. I was on the edge of my seat. How many times can you use that thing a day? I think you can use it as many times as you want. It sounds like about approximately eight or eight or nine. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, it's just that each time you do it, you have to roll that that chance of it exploding on you. you use it until it blows up. All right, Joff, you took off and ran back towards the entrance. Uh, Pine, it is now your turn. Yeah, we didn't leave initiative, just so you guys are aware. Pine is going to turn his gaze to the other statue. And am I still slowed? But I think that it would go away because the, the, the flashing of the crystals... Um, stopped so you are no longer slowed okay well i'm gonna approach this other statue cautiously so i'm gonna kind of uh see i'll come over here i know colbert was over toward that side so i'm gonna come over and approach the pedestal that this other statue is on from the south side so i'm not getting directly into its gaze I was going to let you know, too, the one thing I forgot to mention, Nari, when you were up in the northern room, this small little room with your brother, um, you see there's another staircase going down. Oh, OK. And it looks like that is all there is kind of to this area. There's, there's this large room. And then in the south, there's a staircase going up. And in the north, there's a staircase going down. Pine, you are over by the statue. Uh, why don't you make a perception check? OK, I was just going to say, I'd like to use my use my action to do like a perception or investigation. That's a 15 perception. You see um, this statue is inert. Okay. You, there's no like crystals popping out of it or anything. It's, it's not really so much a dark statue as it's just a statue in a dark corner of the room, a dark side of the room. 
Okay. But as you kind of glance back over to where the other statue was, you um, you see in the pile of rubble where that statue was that just um, that just got destroyed. You see a little tiny little crystal come popping up through the ground, kind of by Nari's feet. You don't think that she has seen it, but you see it kind of boop, pop up to the ground. Uh, a little blue crystal, a little dark blue crystal. Um, I will yell out uh, across the room and I'll say, Be careful, I don't think our fallen foe is done. Watch out for the crystal. And that'll be my turn. It is now uh, Colby's turn. He is going to kind of take your advice. He's going to move move kind of around the room towards the northern uh, doorway. And he's going to see kind of what's what you're talking about as you uh, as you talk about the foe not being done, um, kind of keeping his eye on the ground. Ebby, you are standing right there as Pine tells you that you look and you see this crystal that has popped up next to Nari's foot and you see another one pop up um, a little bit north of that. Ooh, um, I think we need to get out of this room as quickly as possible. And with that, I'm going to head over to that room where Tazar was. Or where he still is. Or, yeah, or still is, yeah. So go, go, go nurse him back to, to strength. Yeah, you see this room, this little room is like 15 feet by 20 feet. There is a staircase going down and Tazar is like huddled up in the corner. You can tell he's been through some trauma. Like he is, he is uh, kind of checked out at this point. Got it. If you want to make a medicine check to see if there's something you can do to help him, um, I would allow that. Yeah, I think I'm going to do that. And while I'm doing that, just be like, it's okay. We're here to help you. You're not alone anymore. And I rolled a nat 20 for a 28 on my medicine check. That's fantastic. As you uh, kind of start talking to him saying, it's okay, um, he looks up at you and he uh, kind of like wipes his eyes and stands up and you don't know why it worked, but it did. You see him compose himself and uh, and gather himself up and take a big <sighs> breath and collect himself. And that brings us now to Adressa. Adressa takes out her axe and she sees the crystal that has um, formed on the ground and she takes a swing at that crystal. Let's see if she can hit it. She misses, actually. But she's got two more attacks. So she's going to make two more attacks against that crystal that formed. And okay, so she missed, she missed, and then she got a natural 20 against the crystal that formed by Nari's foot. Let's see what ends up happening. She's playing whack-a-mole with the... uh... She hits the crystal as it like shocks her and she almost drops the axe. She deals, it looks like, nine damage to herself. I just realized that uh, I'm standing right next to probably where those crystals are going to fly over and animate. <laughs> well, the crystals were heading north. Oh, they're heading north. I thought oh, they, they were moving. I thought they were just popping up. Well, the one crystal popped up and then another one popped up just to the north of it. Oh, I thought that they were going to pop up, fly and then zoom to the statue I'm right next to. No, oh, no, they're, they're just they're, they're just sticking up out of the ground. These are like formations of crystal just kind of busting up through the ground. Oh, okay, so they're, so they're not like they're not like floating. Okay, I thought they were floating. Okay, no, no, no. Yeah, uh, sorry, I, I should have explained that better. These are not necessarily the crystals that were on the statue. This is like new little crystal clusters popping up through the ground. It is now Tazar's turn. Tazar steps out of this room, um, sees you, Nari, 
um, and rushes over to you and says, Nari, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so, I'm so sorry. I'm such a coward. Such a coward. It's, it's okay, my dude. You, you, you should not have ever been here. So I'm happy you're safe. It's, it's good to see you and we won't have to talk about this up above. Nari, it is your turn. As you are standing there, you see another crystal form and another crystal form to the north and to the north again. In fact, it looks like they are heading towards the hallway that leads into that north room with the staircase going down where Ebby is currently. Is it like a path that's staying there or are the crystals kind of like? No, it's like these crystals are like, like one will kind of go boop and then like the next one will pop up and be a little bit bigger. These crystals are popping up out of the ground in a line heading towards the doorway to the north. Well, I think we're going to have to go deal with what's whatever these crystals are. But um, maybe maybe Adressa could could take my brother back up uh, while, while we take care of this down below. OK, and so where is Nari going to go now on her turn? She's going to follow those crystals um, and kind of head towards where Ebby is, towards that north room. Are you going to go into that room or are you going to um, kind of stay on the outside and watch the crystals? Uh, I will stay on kind of technically the outside where I'm kind of like right, right next to it, be able to see it, but um, still technically in the other room. All right, Joff, you see your party members all heading towards that northern room. Joff is going to run 30 feet. He's going to get next to um, Nari's brother. Can I see where those crystals are? Are they in the room up north by Ebby or where where are they at? Um, the, the crystals are popping up in the floor, um, kind of basically right where that statue crumbled. And then they're starting to form a line heading north towards that doorway. And as you kind of are looking at these crystals, you see another one pop up. And this one seems even bigger than the last one. And it's heading towards that doorway that Nari is standing in. Okay, so I'm going to point to the ground where the line of the crystals is stopping and i'm gonna holler out squire is there something invisible here that we can't see and i'm gonna have him outline it as the spell fairy fire if there is something there okay so fairy fire um kind of nothing happens okay okay so that was your turn yep all right pine what are you gonna do so pine has um Pine's going to go ahead and use his uh, move and his action to kind of sprint over to the doorway next to Nari. Okay. And he's going to move to Kenig's S-talk up to him as he's going. Kenig's S-talk can take an attack on those crystals as well. Um, but since I'm not holding it, hopefully it won't do damage to me. Uh, I wanted to come up and do an attack on the biggest crystal that's recently formed. Okay. Sounds good. That's a 15 to hit. You hit the crystal. Deal some damage. Eight force damage. The Estoc hits the crystal. Um, You don't feel any of it reverberate back to you, but you do feel you. uh, Let me make a quick. What's a what's your spell casting um, uh, skill? Is it uh, charisma? Charisma. Mm -hmm. Why don't you make a. So how much damage did you deal then? Uh, It would have been eight force damage. Mm -hmm. Okay. why don't you make a eight plus five? Why don't you make a 13 charisma? Uh, saving throw 24 you feel kenick's s stock start to fall from the air but your your 
sheer charisma keeps it floating up in the air. Uh, but you feel like it almost dispelled this this um, this spell. Okay. Well, then I, I will. The the S talk is right next to me now at this point. Um, so I'll go ahead and take it back, and I'll turn to Ebby. And the last thing I'll do is I'll say, "Remind me again, what did blue crystals mean?" The first one was blue. The next one is red. The next one's orange. These are random crystals popping up. Oh, okay. Okay. Pine's ready to go down the stairs. I think we should get out of here before these crystals get any bigger and seal off our our way down. I agree. Cobra's turn next. He says, you don't have to tell me twice. And he is in the room with you, ready to go down the stairs. The only person that um, is not in there currently is Joff. Joff, I need to know, are you going to go with the party or are you going to stay out and help Tazar and Adressa get back up? I don't know. I've got this like sense of foreboding and I'll, I'll just follow the group. Um, Joff, as you head up north towards this kind of hallway going into the small room, uh, Tazar looks confused. You guys all get into the room. Um, Tazar kind of looks confused and he looks back at you, Nari, and he kind of holds his hand up and he says, sister, just as a giant crystal shoots up and any chance of you going back up to summer home at least this way you guys are now in this room the crystals have kind of uh stopped forming and there is a staircase going down do, do you think that the, the crystals had intention in sealing off this door was their consciousness directing them to separate us from our allies or from our our, our way to escape i think that there's that it's a it was a protection protocol that should the automaton fall in combat, it would do its best to seal away this entrance. At least that's my guess. Maybe it was trying to keep us from going farther down. I believe that that's correct. Likely whatever it's protecting, the heart of this facility itself, lies further within. Magister Colbury says, shall we? I suppose so. My capabilities are nearly depleted. If there's a chance that we could defend ourselves to rest for a time, uh, that might be preferable. I don't know if we have that opportunity, though. We get set up here. I mean, it seems the crystals have stopped. Now we have a, lack of a better word, a, a protected wall on that side. Maybe we could rest up here. Maybe we could uh, take some time. Tazar's out of here now, so so that's taken care of. That... That ticking clock is 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 done. Yes, I I feel much better about that. I'm feeling a bit lightheaded. A sit down might be nice. I lost a lot of blood in that last fight. Well, here, let me um. There, there, and I'm gonna give you the rest of my uh, <laughs> the, the rest of my morale. I had to use them because I didn't heal all up on my short rest. So, uh, you will get twenty two hit points. Oh, wow. That's a lot more than I expected. I was like, please get me back into double digits. Just in case we get attacked while we're trying to rest, I'm going to use one of my first level spell slots on you, Joff. And I'm going to heal you with Erdos's word for an additional seven. Thank you. That's that very nice of you guys. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling better now. As you guys are sitting there... Um Colbury says, uh, I'm, I might be able to help 
help us stay a little safer. And then he reaches into his bag, you know, way down past his elbow and pulls out a book. And um, it looks different than his other books. This one has like arcane writing in it and he starts flipping through and then he starts working on um, some kind of a of a ritual. And um, after about 10 minutes or maybe actually 11 minutes, there is this half sphere, um, this tiny hut that you guys are now in, in this room. And so you guys now have the benefit of a tiny hut. It's a 10-foot radius immobile dome. He can't leave. You guys can all fit in here. It fits up to nine people. I mean, it basically takes up all this space and then some. Yeah. And basically, what does it do? It makes things comfortable, um, dry. Other things can't get in it unless they can dispel it. Um, So this should keep you safe and secure for about eight hours. So you guys have this place to rest for a little while anyway. Um, As you see, as that pops into being, you can see that it does not like where it hits the crystals. um, It kind of is almost like, you know, like uh, on a video screen, like an old timey um, uh, TV, like a tube TV, kind of like static. It's almost like where the tiny hut hits the crystals. It's almost like a little edge of static all around there. Like the tiny hut can't quite enclose the crystals can't go through the crystals um, and it's almost like the crystals are interfering with it a little bit but the hut still seems to be um, intact Colbury, if your hired help couldn't handle a few ursine how did you expect them to ever do anything down here I had no clue what was down here nobody has been down here for millennia and in all honesty they were the best I could find Let's be clear. I mean, they couldn't handle a few ursine. They were big and scary. <laughs> they hit very hard. They did hit hard. But their mammoths were so cute. <laughs> he said, when I started my trek into the mountains, I had, I had four, four hired hands. And two of them turned back almost immediately after getting through the pass. It was just too nasty and treacherous. They, they, they gave up. They, my money wasn't worth it to them. And then I... I lost another one um, on the trek, and then my last, my last hired hand died in winter home. I knew I had to press on, and here I am, and now I have you, and I appreciate all the help that you've given me in getting to this point. What do you want to find at the bottom of this? Okay. I fear that the rumors of inevitability and of of some kind of end that was stopped i fear that the mechanism put in place to stop the inevitable is failing i fear that that is why things are trembling and shaking up here in the mountains i worry that the inevitable will still happen and i need to figure out if i can stop it if i can keep whatever whatever machinations were put in place, uh, if I can keep them going. Do you even know what this inevitable thing was? World ending. The angel. It sounds scary, but we don't know enough details. It, 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 is, it is scary. It is scary. But what is inevitable in life? That there is an end. That there is death. I think my understanding would have me assume that the inevitability to come was either a loss of free will or 
a quicker end to everything than just what would come about naturally. But we don't know. Ends always bring about new life and change. I, I, I'm not convinced that if it's just an end, that it's a bad thing. I mean, I want to keep on going, though. <laughs> Still life in these bones. So, yes, an end, an end. Yes, something else very well may pop up in its place. Yes. However, it won't necessarily be us. And it won't necessarily be Pavantis. My problem with inevitability is that saying that something is destined to happen and then doing all you can just to make that happen is giving up all of your free will. So I think that just as bad as destroying everything, as everything ending, the death of the world, whatever, would be that everyone loses their ability to choose. I think, Pine, your mind is thrown back to the readings that you did in, in Librarian Jem's book, where, you know, she talked about, like, there are stories in ancient days of people literally withholding medicine from sick people because that was kind of the inevitable, right? You get sick, you're, you, you need to deal with it. Um, the inevitable will, will, uh, will happen. I don't know how Pine feels about that. No, I, I, I hate that idea. And to have to have a powerful being now enforce that inevitability on everyone, regard, not, no longer a creed, but now being forced, being implemented um, through power, through through coercion. That that sounds that sounds just as terrible as the end of the world. That's the end of free will. That's the end of individuality. From my understanding, there is of course a certain natural cycle to most things. A birth and a death, and followed by birth again. But the cycle itself is stable, generally speaking. I fear that this inevitability would be the end of the cycle. And that, to me, feels like a crime against Pavantus itself. Uh, Colbury nods and he says, yes, I, I feel the same. I feel like, yes, you can say that what will be will be and that you know inevitability is the natural course of things but what if this inevitable end is not natural what if it is against nature and then um ebby you very well may remember having read in your um in the crystal codex times where arnium celadar literally praises Lord Moshe, who is a, you know, the, the Lord of green things and growing. He's a Lord of nature. I, I'll kind of mention a little bit of that to Colbury and just say in the Crystal Codex, and we can speak more of this when there's more time, but one of the ancient ones, the ones that helped to create myself and others of my kind, uh, there was a purpose to our creation. Um, it was not pure experimentation as much as it was seen as a necessary sacrifice in order to protect us from something. Lord Moshe, Lady Artarian, the lords and ladies themselves, one could say that the very aspect of divinity reflects the cyclical nature of reality. When it is in harmony and balance, it persists and it can continue onward. Something was happening 
at that time when it came to this angel of inevitability and the cult of inevitability as we, I think, have come to understand it in this era, in this epic. And it necessitated some dramatic actions. The reason I exist is a result of these drastic measures that were required, though I don't know fully what the danger truly is. But I do fear that something is about to occur. And for whatever reason, we are at the heart of it. Colbury nods. He says, you speak wisdom. He has that jewel that floats around his head that helps with that. <laughs> but no, Colbury, I actually have a, a, a serious question for you. Why does the Almerian Empire worship the angel of unity? Why is this angel not a lord or lady? What? And why the angel of inevitability instead of a lord or lady? Why, why the difference? Do you know? Have you heard? Do you have any, have you read any theories on that? Oh my goodness. He made a religion check and he got a natural 20. Okay. Let's see what Colbury has to say about angels versus lords and ladies. Colbury, um, he kind of sits down and makes himself comfortable. He says, I've done a lot of reading about inevitability, the angel of inevitability, the angel of unity, the lords and ladies. In fact, I it seems to me that you know the lords and ladies were were on the side of those who fought inevitability. Uh, at least that's what that's what the records would have us believe. Well, yeah, the death of the the death of the Lady of Shields too, right? He kind of he nods and he says, "Yes, yes, Lady Balbarel, yes, she." There is a rumor, there is a belief that maybe she did not survive, and that you know we still worship her in a way, but that she really has no power to give because she didn't survive. And according to something I read, and Pine, you would know this is something that you actually literally have in your bag, um, something that I read, the Lady Balbarel may have been struck down by the Angel of Inevitability. The Lords and Ladies are not necessarily what we think they are. How do I explain this? Okay. Now, this is all conjecture. I'm not sure. I'm not a theologian. I'm, I merely enjoy study. But those beings that we call lords and ladies are not necessarily the same type of being. I don't know how else to explain it. We may worship an angel and call him a lord. We may worship a devil and call her a lady. We may worship some creature from another plane of existence and they might have a different name for themselves. And we as humanity have simplified it to the point of Lord and lady. And we have organized and put these higher powers into this box to make it easier for us to understand. So the nomenclature is our doing. It's for our understanding. I believe so. I used the word nomenclature before in this podcast. I just <laughs> wanted to use it again so that everybody remembers that I'm smart. <laughs> he says, yes, I, I believe so. I don't know what type of being Lord Moshe is. And I don't know what type of being Lady Artarian is. We lump them together and call them the Lord and Lady of nature and growing things and that kind of um, aspect, the Lord of Lady, Lady of nature. But 
do they even exist on the same plane? We don't know. They give, we can get power from them, but I think that over time, humanity has kind of lumped lords and ladies together and, and has kind of assumed that they are together, that they are the lord and lady of swords are basically partners, are collaborators, and that's not necessarily true. So who's to say anything about an, an angel of inevitability or an angel of unity or Lord Moshe or Lady Artarian or any of them? The fact of the matter is, we really don't know that much about the lords and ladies that we worship, nor about the angel of unity or the angel of, inevit of inevitability. Well, I think Ebby's probably the closest to any of the, the lords and ladies here. Uh, he has a very special relationship with Lord Moshe. Well, I don't know if it's that <laughs> special. <laughs> Well, I'm just wondering if you could shed any light based on based on your experience. You know, we have the prophecies that speak of us. You have communed with him. Well, I can feel certain energy there. You know, Colbury, you mentioned something, and it, it strikes me as kind of an interesting observation. We don't know very much about these aspects, and perhaps to answer you, Pine, I also still do not know much or comprehend everything there is to comprehend when it comes to Lord Moshe. There is a tension between the, the aspects of the divine. There is a tension between Moshe and Artarian, and we see it play out. The powers of decay um, fight continually against the powers of life, and yet in their combat, in their in their um, struggle, they find balance and the cycle is able to maintain itself. And yet they are required to push for as much control as they can. If one were to overpower the other, then it would fall into utter chaos and imbalance. Obviously, if decay overcame life, then this would be a desolate wasteland. But likewise, if life overcame decay, then it too would deplete rapidly and would become anarchy and chaotic itself. So they must need, there must be this, this tension always. I don't know if it is the tension that we derive the, the, the energy from, or if it's from other relationships. Perhaps they are more unified than we know. There's much that we don't yet comprehend. At least there's no, there's much that I don't comprehend. I do feel though that from my experiences, at least communing with Lord Moshe, limited as it is, I feel like the the goal, the impetus for all of this is to maintain the balance. That while there is the tension to keep this this moving such as it is, um, would be the the objective. This, this life, this creation, but who knows what may yet lie in store for us. Well, I think all in all, this conversation has made what we need to do down there no more clear. <laughs> Cobra kind of laughs and says, I, I think you're right. I think, I hope that we will know what to do when we get down there. I'm going to be honest, this... 
all this book talk is is far beyond me. I'd be happy just keeping my family safe. Well, you've done that. Huzzah. <laughs> <laughs> As you guys um, finish this conversation about um, religion and the lords and ladies and inevitability and what is to come, you silently kind of begin some uh, introspection and start to ponder uh, each of you individually and uh, begin to take a, a rest. You guys do get a long rest. And when, um, when your long rest ends and the tiny hut disappears, you guys all will be level eight. Yeah. Oh, yes. What? what? Oh, my god! That's amazing. Oh, my goodness. We're going to stop there for tonight. Um, Awesome, you guys. Hey, what a great session. Uh, I really thought that crystal statue, once he did slow, was going to just destroy you guys. Um, and he kind of did um, a little bit. But, yeah, hey, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I was down to four hit points. Oh, my God. Oh, holy cow. That's awesome. Yeah. And you guys, you know, if you had stayed in his aura and you guys had failed that wisdom save when you tried to see him, you would have been blinded for a minute. Oh, geez. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so when you did it, Joff, and you made it and you got that 17, you were lucky. All right, guys. Hey, thanks for playing. It was a great one. Uh, that was a lot of uh, tension. And uh, now you guys are stuck in this room with no way to get back up to Summer Home. The only way to go is down. I guess it's inevitable. All right, guys. Well, until next time, have a great time. <laughs>